We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. to launch into something that could be uh, it could be historic ladies and gentlemen we're gonna have a little fun with judge jane here this afternoon but i also want to point in the direction of and this will not influence the case but we're doing a little youtube poll on ketchup on a hot dog so far we've actually got 26 votes 50 percent pro ketchup 50 percent no ketchup oh wow but if you go to the mark reardon show on youtube you can vote and you can participate in the process now again Jane, this will not influence your decision at all. Because... I don't rule by poll. <laughs> exactly. Um, Brad Young is on the line with us. He will represent me here in a moment, but I think we need the proper introduction. What you're about to hear is real. <laughs> the participants, not actors. Both have agreed to dismiss their court cases and have their dispute settled here. This is Judge Jane, the People's Court. I love that. I'd like to call the case to order. Would you like to introduce the participants of the case? Yes. First of all, let's uh, talk to the plaintiff. Who is our plaintiff? I think that's me, actually. Okay. I didn't really know this until about five minutes ago, but I am the plaintiff. You are uh, the plaintiff. And my attorney, would I, I'd like to introduce my attorney, Brad Young, from Harristown Fisher & Young, who's representing me here this afternoon. Hello, uh, Counselor. Hi, hi Counsel. Oh, hello. I also need to point out, Mark, your check has not yet cleared. <laughs> Well, oh. um, that might be an issue that <laughs> we'll continues discuss, into the yes, fall. Yes, we'll discuss right? your lien after. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we also okay. have participating this afternoon, Judge, uh, on the panel, State Senator, who's also a lawyer, Mary Elizabeth Coleman, representing Sue Thomas. I'm bringing this case before you, and I, I, I do have a request for an opening statement that I think Brad has to make officially, and then we'll get on. We have witnesses here to present in this case as well. Okay. Uh, I, I do. And, and Judge Jane, at this point, I know it's customary uh, for counsel to make uh, opening statements. But in this case, I would ask the court for leave uh, to allow the plaintiff himself uh, to do the opening statement in my uh, in my steed. Any objection, counsel? Uh, Your Honor, we're happy to stipulate to that as long as we are given equal opportunity to make our case. And we'll also allow the respondent to respond on her own behalf rather than myself. That's fine. What is um, a steed, Mr. Your Honor? Can I ask that question? In no. place of. Oh, In thank you. And, um, <laughs> Mr. Good question. Or a, ver- yeah. a very nice horse. <laughs> yes. Um, Mr. Young, I would ask that you please control your client. <laughs> <laughs> Good. 
Talk about an impossible task. Yeah, I know you're not being paid enough, but try to control him. All right. Um, do my best. Mr. Plaintiff, Mr. Reardon, would you like your, to begin your opening statement? Your Honor, now? I appreciate you giving me a moment to express some of my concerns as we move forward in this case. And uh, let me cite something that U.S. District Judge Terry Doty recently ruled on a motion for a stay in this case, because denying hot dog lovers, Judge, the freedom to enjoy ketchup on hot dogs could leave hot dog lovers engaging in a vast range of unlawful and irresponsible conduct that could result in permanent damage to condiment lovers everywhere. Judge Doty, as you might remember, Judge, um, said Sue and other ketchup deniers, is what I call them, have assumed a role similar to an Orwellian ministry of truth. And the evidence produced in the case thus far depicts an almost dystopian scenario, I would argue. This case is about two things, ladies and gentlemen. Freedom of condiments and science. I'm going to cite science. And allow me to say, Sue, with no disrespect, the science is clear. Sue and the ketchup deniers make the claim that only children and not, you know, hot dog loving adults like me should have the right to ketchup on hot dogs. Ketchup on hot dogs with paired with, yes, mustard, onions, relish, tomatoes, and celery salt, the full, the full enjoyment of the hot dog eating experience can come to life. Why would any judge, freedom-loving American, want to deny another citizen of that right. Quite simply, the potential breadth of the entities covered by a ruling against ketchup on hot dogs could have a wide-ranging effect and could chill uh, a wide range of hot dog lovers. So I, along with counsel, believe this is one of the most important condiment cases to ever come before the court. Democracy itself is on the line. Um, I might even say this is an issue vital to national security. I mean, if communist China... Russian President Putin, if they see a window into disrupting the condiment supply of this nation, uh-huh, uh-huh. well, they're going to take it. These are dangerous forces that would love to spoil great American traditions and holidays like Memorial Day, the 4th of July, the upcoming Labor Day holiday. The very future of summer barbecues for American citizens might judge very well be on the line. My position is that Sue is coerced, colluded with, and pressured her witnesses to censor ketchup on hot dogs and judge this simply cannot stand. That's my opening statement. Thank you. Thank you, counsel. I would also add that this anti-ketchup propaganda has roots in Marxist ideology and it's dangerous and for the future of Republic, (laughs) uh, I think this is important and I ask that you rule in my favor and I appreciate your time and consideration, Judge. Thank you. Okay. Judge, Brad, did I do okay there? Um, You you, did okay. I would have done better, but you did okay. (laughs) Yeah. You two can converse Uh, later. We'd like to stipulate that we agree that he didn't do a very good job. (laughs) Okay, uh, now it is the time for Respondent Sue Thomas to give her opening remarks. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Judge Jane, for this time. Listen, this is America. You can have whatever condiment you'd like on anything you'd like. This is really just a question of good taste. As we read in an article in the New York Post on July 3rd of this year, quote, slathering a frankfurter in a layer of cool, tangy ketchup is a foodie faux pas for folks 18 and over, according to the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council, which argues that the condiment is strictly for kids. And that's all we're saying here today. The problem with putting a sugary condiment on a hot dog is it can mask the meaty flavor of the frank. Ketchup has sugar in it, and of course it's appealing to children. But when you are no longer a child, good taste calls for you to maybe try to advance your palate. Just skip the ketchup. Try a grilled hot dog with mustard and and any other condiment in lieu of ketchup You can try diced tomatoes. Adults don't need to eat sugar on meat. Thank you for your time. Okay. 
Now that we've uh, concluded opening statements, um, the plaintiff, are you ready to start calling witnesses? I, I'm not, uh, Your Honor. <laughs> I, okay. Wait, what? Brad, what? What's our position on calling witnesses? I don't think we have any. I think. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's okay. it. What? Um, do you have any other evidence? Yes, our, our position here, Your Honor, and, and again, my apologies for my client speaking out of turn. I apologize for that. Yeah. And also, I'm going to be apologizing for that for a lot yes, yeah. this, uh, yeah. court proceeding. Yeah. Uh, but, but at this point, our position is the evidence is going to be that, uh, that my withering cross-examination uh, of the other witnesses and yes. my stellar, bulletproof, un, in, uh, non-refutable closing arguments here will be more than sufficient to win the day. Essentially, okay. Judge, the witnesses will will be here. I do have some responses to the witnesses that Sue will present, and we do have— Oh, you have rebuttal witnesses. W- exactly, but we have—these are recorded depositions. We have—because of the time constraints yes. here, we actually could not fit as many people in the, in, in the courtroom, Judge Jane. So we have recorded witness statements, and okay. Sue's, you know, well, Sue's side You're is first. able to call. Yeah, so are you not willing to call your witnesses in your case? No, I'm not, because I only have responses to the witnesses. So you can call your witnesses. Let's just defer to them, Brad. That's what I'm doing. Okay. Exactly. So I, I think is, I said you. that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what is, he said, Judge. This is a little, this is a little, um, this is a little strange, Your Honor. Because and, and that's of, the only thing that's a little strange here? Yeah. I mean. Really? Okay. I know. I know. Your I'm Honor, trying to be polite. Your um, Honor, in light of the fact that there's been no evidence and no <laughs> yes. question put before you, I'm happy and... Um, you know, for the sake of good taste, to have a response to our argument, but I just would like everyone to please recognize that there's been no, no accusation that's been laid upon us. There's been no statutory uh, violation. No there's law. Been no evidence. No tort uh, violation. There's absolutely no evidence whatsoever. We're happy to. <laughs> We're happy oh. to use your time while we have you to make our our argument. I mean, given that this is a judge-tried case, I will take everything under advisement, but I do think it's strange. In some cases, you know, a plaintiff would actually be dismissed for failing to put forth evidence. But We're given not going to make the- a motion to dismiss at this time in the interest of the radio show, but I yeah. think— yeah, I think, but it but, is. But this point, strange. Well, I do have, I do have three constitutional arguments here that I would like to put well, forth, if that, if that would please the court. Well, how about, rest? well, how about after, um, after, after the witnesses, after the witnesses, okay, you can put forth all of your legal arguments. Okay. okay. Now, respondent, are you prepared for your witnesses? I am. Thank you. Oh, it is nice to be prepared. Okay. Yes. Uh, uh, who are we playing first, oh, player of my witnesses? You, you can choose. Let us start, for instance, with uh, George Shea. Now, George is the host of the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. He's the MC. He's the <laughs> MC. And we will hear from George. America is a free country. And part of the rights that you get in America is that if you want to put ketchup on your hot dog, you are free to do so. However, it is not appropriate unless you are nine years old. If you are older than nine, and let's say older than 12 years old, you should be using mustard on your hot dog. It's just that simple. And it's not really a matter of cultural norms or or cultural rules. It's really a matter of dignity. And adults can easily, if they want to drink apple juice in a juice box, an adult has the ability to do so, but we don't. It's about dignity. And these are things, really, that parents should be teaching their children. Wow. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. so thank you. Uh, thank you to Mr. Shea. Who Brad, was... can we object or something? <laughs> Your, Your Honor, um, I would like to ask Brad to stipulate that this witness is, in fact, an expert because he has the requisite knowledge, skill, experience, training, and education to to speak on this matter. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, no, I don't I don't agree with that in any way, Your Honor, and here's oh, why. Oh, I'm so sorry. He, we already played the evidence, so I think he's waived his objection for not making <laughs> well, it a Well, I've not waived my objection manner. because I was silenced when I tried to speak earlier. But, uh, but, but in this instance, no, I would ask that the record be stricken from all of that testimony because while Mr. Shea may be an expert on hot dogs, the hot dog eating contest that takes place with the Nathan's Hot Dog Contest does not involve condiments of any kind. In fact... The hot dog eating contest uses hot dogs, buns, and nothing else. So the fact that Mr. Shea is commenting on a condiment that is not used in any way, shape, form, or manner during the Nathan's hot dog eating contest brilliant. negates, negates, yes. I say, any expertise that this may witness have may have when it pertains to condiments. That's a brilliant okay. legal argument. Your Honor, so, again, I think this is a, not a timely objection. Um, okay, I'm ready to rule on this objection. One... I am independently aware of Mr. Shea's qualifications and um, having interviewed him numerous times and have watched nearly every hot dog eating contest on the 4th of July, um, I feel he has established his uh, expert credentials. I, What you're objecting to is the weight of his testimony rather than whether it should be admitted. Uh-huh. And given that this is a judge-tried case, I think I can properly balance. And so I hereby rule that his testimony will be part of the record. Okay. At this point, Your Honor, I'm sorry, I need to voice two objections. First, under the Missouri Rules of Civil Procedure Rule 51.05, I'm asking for a change of judge. And secondly, under Rule 2-2.3, <laughs> under the Rules of Professional Conduct, it states as follows, and I quote, A, a judge shall perform the duties of a judicial office without bias or prejudice, and B, a judge shall not in the performance of her judicial duties by words or conduct yeah, manifest bias or prejudice. Yeah. In this instance, yeah. Judge, by your own admission, you've interviewed this person many times. You've mm-hmm. watched this every time it's on. So you are starstruck by Mr. Shea. You have a crush on Mr. Shea. <laughs> okay. You have a definite interest in Mr. Shea. And because of that, you are no longer able to operate in a, a non-biased, non-prejudicial manner. And so, therefore, under the rules of civil procedure, right. I'm asking for a change of judgment. I think he's, sure right. You do. Yeah. I think he's right. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how long you've been practicing law, Mr. Young, but I've always found to accuse the judge of being a tramp is not really great. <laughs> Um, when you are, in fact, trying a case. Um, well, just... I'll stipulate that you've been doing this longer than me, so I'll stipulate to that. <laughs> okay. Okay, we could... By, we... by any picture can tell, anyone can tell. Um, I will take your objection for the record, um, but we're going to move on to the next witness. Okay. Uh, the next respondent. witness uh, is Mr. Chip Carey, uh, familiar with hot dogs in a, bo- uh, a baseball setting, and a Cardinals broadcaster. Uh, we will now hear from Mr. Ketchup Carey. on hot dogs? Are you kidding me? That's like putting bananas on a hamburger. It just doesn't go together. Ketchup comes from a tomato. Tomato is a fruit. You don't put fruit on hot dogs. It's disgusting. It's gross. It's un-American, quite frankly. In Chicago, where the hot dog was and is king, it's celery salt, it's peppers, it's a pickle, it's mustard. That's the way it's supposed to be. Eating ketchup on hot dogs is like putting uh, you know, candy on a turkey. It's gross, it's disgusting, it doesn't make sense, and every real American who goes to a Major League Baseball game, unless you're three years old, puts mustard on the hot dog and mustard only. Case closed. 
My old classmate from Parkway West. I forgot comes you in went against to school me. with him. He's Thanks, a rather a, he's a rather aggressive witness, but um, it seems um, that I, I'm going to let his testimony in. Well, see, I would object, Judge, on this basis. As you well know, contradictory evidence cannot be the foundation of a substantial ruling under Your Missouri Honor, law. Can I interrupt counsel, and in this please? instance, in this instance, he said that you cannot put fruit on a hot dog, and yet the evidence shows that every Chicago hot dog has tomatoes yes. on the hot dog. Yes, tomatoes. Tomatoes, by definition, is a fruit. And so when the witness states you can't put fruit on a hot dog, he is self-contradictory, yes, and self-contradictory evidence cannot be the basis for an award. Thank you. Your Honor, Your Honor, you, I, would, I would just like to respond to that by saying that the counselor is responding as this, as if the rules of evidence for, uh, and really all proceedings, are governed by Missouri statute, but we're not operating in either Missouri state or federal law, but in kangaroo court. And so none of his arguments should be held against allowing the witness. Okay, and we do have uh, one final witness just to try to move this along. This is uh, another uh, Chicagoan. It's Rob Hart from WBBM in Chicago. Ladies and gentlemen of the radio station, let's compare and contrast ketchup on a hot dog versus tomatoes on a hot dog. Tomatoes, they're fresh. They're ripened on the vine. There's a little bit of give in the skin before you get to the juicy goodness within. And then you have ketchup, tomato paste, and vinegar. On the one hand, you have a farm-fresh product just full of nature's goodness. On the other hand, you have an awful amalgamation of unknown ingredients. Is that what we really want to associate with hot dogs? Man. It's a good question. Rob's, but, my uh, old, Rob it, was an Brad. intern of mine, and he's turned against me Et as well. Et too, Brutus. Yeah. Um, Brad, I do have a response to some of that with, with some rebuttal witnesses. I don't know if I'm allowed, including yes. Mr. Hart's children, his own children. I like ketchup on hot dogs. Watch out, ketchup. It's the best. I like ketchup on hot dogs because it makes it taste better, and um, it's a little saltier. I'd rather have a cheeseburger. With ketchup with the fries. I also have my own daughter, Alexa Reardon. I think ketchup has to be on hot dogs. And it, whoever says it's wrong to eat a ke- hot, hot ketchup on a hot dog is not a person and an alien. So, so it is right to have ketchup on a hot dog for the last time. Sue. There you go. That's Alexa Reardon <laughs> chiming we in. We love Alexa Reardon. Um, and Judge, I believe we're getting very close to closing arguments on this case. Yes. Um, I, you know, I am making a ruling that all the testimony that has been given is uh, hereby put in the record. And so really all we do have left is closing argument. And uh, Mr. Young, will you be mm-hmm. giving the closing argument or will your client? No, I'll be doing it because I want to win this case. Okay. I, <laughs> I agree with you, sir. So why don't you go ahead with your closing? Okay, first of all, there, there's there's really three reasons here that, that summarize the strength of our position. Number one, there's culinary versatility in adulthood because ketchup is a condiment that's cherished for its distinctive flavor and versatility. It transcends age boundaries and has earned its place in adult cuisine due to its tangy sweetness, which complements a myriad of dishes. Secondly, the historical and cultural significance of ketchup. It spans centuries and encompasses numerous cultures. It originated from Asia and has evolved through various iterations and grown to become a global condiment used by people of all ages. And finally, our society has freedom of culinary expression and gastronomical diversity. 
And because of that, wow. because of both that freedom of culinary expression and gastronomical diversity, it is imperative, I say essential for democracy to encourage both mustard and ketchup in order to preserve the freedoms that our founding fathers died to provide. Okay. Judge, I, was add, I would add, can I add something? Um, uh, no, uh, no. No. No, you cannot. My show, so I'm going to add something. Uh. Our Constitution is clear. American citizens have the right to put ketchup on hot dogs and furthermore be allowed to douse hot dogs and ketchup without the fear of being harassed or intimidated by people like Ms. Thomas, Judge. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to hold you in contempt for okay. refusing to listen to the judge. You gave your closing argument to Mr. Young, so your closing will be stricken from the record. <laughs> Jeez. Okay? And contempt means you're buying me some chocolate for the next show. Thank you. Okay. Um, Ms. Thomas. Yes. Would you like to be giving the closing argument or would you like your counsel to? Uh, my counsel, I'm going to uh, let do it. Thank you. Thank you. And you'll abide by that? Yes. Unlike, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Your Unlike Honor. I believe I'm better able to control my client than Mr. Young. Um, the plaintiff brought no law. He brought no facts. And all of his rebuttal witnesses were children. <laughs> we rest our case. <laughs> wow. Okay. That, that was pretty short closing well, argument. Brevity is sometimes good. Oh. Okay. So um, based on all the evidence, I'm ready to give my ruling. And something um, tells me this is not going to go well for me here. Well, well I don't first know. of all, what I'm first off, I'm concerned about the respondent's evidence that has so much uh, influence from Chicago Cubs. <laughs> that disturbs me a lot. So the, I, I have to question some of that testimony because of the Chicago basis. And we all know in St. Louis that Cubs fans and people from Chicago really can't be trusted on anything involving <laughs> baseball. So that, that did concern me. Um, the other thing that concerned me about the respondent's case is just the abject war on children. I, I don't understand <laughs> why Thank um, you, Judge. we attack children. Um, why do you hate children, Sue? In this, yeah, it's, <laughs> now, as for the plaintiff's case, uh, oh, there was one more concern I had with the respondent's evidence. They said you can ne- that you can never have a fruit on meat. I know I put ketchup on my hamburger, as does every other, you know, God-fearing American. <laughs> So I think that there was a little bit of inconsistency there. Now, the problem I had with the uh, plaintiff's case is they had no evidence. <laughs> zero! <laughs> there was zero evidence that was presented, which concerns me. And then the closing argument with the all-due-respect counselor, it, it sort of smacked of socialism. This all this diversity and inclusion stuff, it got to be a little preachy. So I, I was not sure about that. So explain to the judge. Yeah, yeah <laughs> there you go. Um, judge, may I explain why I didn't no, have any witnesses? No, you're, you're not allowed to talk. Okay. I was just gonna say, the reason I didn't have any witnesses is because I went out to find witnesses and they all were on Sue's side. That's what happened. <laughs> okay. Counselor, counselor, before the judge makes her ruling, would you like to have a settlement? Would you like? Would you be open Ooh, to a offer settlement? Offer the settlement. Um, well, smart. Uh, no, no, no. I'm going to rule. Okay. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so I am going to rule, and uh, frankly, I'm going to have to rule in favor. In as much as this pains me, I'm going to have to rule in favor of the plaintiff. Whoa. I know. I know. I we cannot in this country start banning and disregarding wow. vital condiments. 
We just can't. I don't think because first it's hot dogs, and then it's hamburgers, then it's French fries. It is a slippery slope. The slope is slippery. I would argue that wasn't our position at all. Not even a little bit. But this ruling could have an effect, and I. So I think that we have to allow ketchup. I understand good taste. I understand maturity. Um, but we don't legislate those things in this country. Apparently we do. Apparently. And so um, ketchup will be allowed on hot dogs by adults. And um, I understand that that may subject them to ridicule, but that is something that people who do that will have to deal with. But I am not going to enjoin the activity. Um, I do want to say that Mr. Shea was your best witness and I do like him, um, but unfortunately, you will not prevail. And I'm, you don't know how sorry I am for that, Sue. <laughs> you have no idea. Your Honor, are, am I able to make a motion for um, payment for this <laughs> pro bono representation? Uh, yeah, I will take both of your uh, statement yeah, I want fees of fees and expenses because I'm not expenses. getting that out of Mark. <laughs> Correct. Hey, hey, we're winning the damn case, though. Yeah. But I, yeah he's, okay, make your he, damn motion, Mary cheap. Elizabeth. Okay, I would like to make a motion that I be made the official state senator of the Mark Reardon show. Oh, that's that is easy. Compensation. Hmm. Brad, that's what are a, you seeking? A vacant position. What am I seeking? Yes. Um, I'm just seeking payment of fees and expenses because <laughs> Mark isn't going to ever pay me. No, I've he's heard how he cheap. talks about how he hates paying his other lawyers. Yeah. I'll, I'll forward you his contempt payment that he owes me. Very good. Yes. So that is my ruling. Um, there's no no appeal. And this is it. My ruling stands. Thank you, counselors. Gastron- Appreciate it, Judge Gastronomic. Jay. I think this was an important case. There is an appeal Court process. Adjourned. You can take it to the Supreme, Sue. The judge Mary likes Elizabeth. ketchup. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. It was a legendary lawsuit, and I do believe that Sue is appealing it. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Uh, we're rolling some segments from 2023 here, basically so Sue and I don't have to do any work between Christmas and New Year's. That's the main goal, but we also think that some of the stuff is pretty good. Yeah. Deserves another airing, including a great conversation with the Osendario brothers, the brothers that were hired by Justice Smollett to rough him up a rough few him years up back. In quotes. There's yeah. an amazing Fox Nation documentary that is out there right now. It's really, really good, and we got the brothers coming up, a little bit of those conversations from earlier this year coming up in the uh, the five o'clock hour. Now, I'm going to play a, a portion, Sue, of an interview that aired just a couple of months ago. Ted Melfi is a movie director and writer. He has done some really good movies like Hidden Figures. He also did a movie with um, Bill Murray and Melissa McCarthy called St. Vincent from 2014. It almost goes back 10 years, and we'll get to that in a second. But Ted 
became um, a friend when that movie came out. I connected with him. We realized he had Missouri connections. I think he was aware of those Missouri connections, but I realized that there was a little bit more appeal because he spent a lot of time in Missouri, got to know him. Uh, when Hidden Figures came out, we we put a great screening together on MLK Weekend. That's cool. That was free that you know the, the studio paid for. We got a bunch of people to go. So he reached out about two months ago, and he goes, Hey, Mark, and I hadn't talked to him in a while. I have a movie that's playing at the uh, St. Louis International Film Festival, and the film is called American Dreamer. And it stars Peter Dinklage and uh, Shirley MacLaine, Matt Dillon. Pretty good movie. I, I watched it, and we did an interview with him. But I made, I made, I asked Mr. Melfi, respectfully, to share this story because it's just legendary. And when Bill Murray finally passes away, I'm not wishing that, Sue. I'm no. going to air this story because the way that Bill Murray operated and the way that Ted Melfi got him to, to do this movie Hidden Figures is really something else. And I've teased this on the show, so I, I hope you don't mind. I, I have to have you tell the story of how you hooked up and finally got Bill Murray for that role, because it, it's it's a great story. I know you've shared it with me before, Ted, but it's such a good one. I want the audience to hear it. Oh, gosh. Well, say that, well look, I was trying to get to Bill Murray, and, and I'm like, how do you get to Bill Murray? And I, I called his attorney, and he said, just dial this my hundred number. So I, I had this 100 number for Bill, and, and literally it's like one of those old-school voicemail, all-tell voicemails like you have reached. There's no voice of his, you know, press 9 to leave the message, press D to delete the message. So I left him a message. Um, Hi, Bill. It's, it's Ted Melfi. I'd like to get you a screenplay, blah, blah, blah. Of course, no reply. Every week I leave him another message. So this went on for mm, three months or so, and I just kept leaving messages every week. Um and I'm like, I, I don't know how to get a hold of this guy. Eventually, he calls his attorney, and his attorney calls me and says, um, Bill says you keep calling his, his 800 number, and he wants to know who you are <laughs> and, and what you do and why you do it. And I told him the story. Well, my name is blah, 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 and I have a screenplay. I really want to see if Bill would read it. He said, I'll call you back. He calls me back and says, okay, Bill says to mail the screenplay – to a place in Nyack, New York. So I said, oh, okay. So I mail a screenplay to Nyack, New York. About two weeks later, I get a call from his attorney and says, uh, Bill didn't get the screenplay. He would like you to mail the screenplay to this address in Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So I print out another screenplay, mail it to a place in Martha's Vineyard. Two, three weeks later, the attorney calls back and says, Bill didn't get the screenplay. He would like you to mail him the screenplay to a place in Charleston, South Carolina. And I said, oh, okay, I mailed. So I mailed three different screenplays, all of which got lost somehow in Bill's mail matrix. Um, about three weeks after I mailed the, the screenplay to South Carolina, my phone, I'm, I'm in the middle of doing a commercial shoot for AT&T, and I'm on the top of Mulholland in Los Angeles driving, and my phone rings, and I pick it up, and he goes, Ted, I go, yeah, he goes, it's Bill. I go, Bill? He goes, Bill Murray. <laughs> I go, oh, okay. He's like, is now a good time? I go, yeah, yeah Bill, now, now's, a, now's a great time. He's like, well, I got your screenplay, and um, it's pretty good, and who are you? <laughs> and, and what do you do? And so I have to go through my, my spiel, right. pitching Bill Murray who I am and what I do. And he's like, okay, that's okay. That sounds all right. He's like, um, Maybe we should get together and have a coffee and talk about this script, if you'd like. I go, yeah, yeah, I'd love to talk about the script. 
He's like, um, I'm shooting right now. I can meet you somewhere tomorrow. He's like, he's like, okay, yeah, that's great. He's like, how about we meet uh, Friday? I go, oh, I can get there Friday. He's like, okay. He goes, in Cannes. I go, Cannes what? Cannes, Cannes, France? He's like, yeah, I'm going to be in Cannes. He goes, well, let's meet there. I go, Bill, I, I, can't, I can't get to Cannes. I'm like, I'm in Los Angeles. That's like, I have to leave now. He's like, oh, well, that's unfortunate. He's like, all right, well, you know, we'll talk about it some other time. And he hangs up on me. And I'm like, <laughs> I just had Bill Murray on the phone. And he hung up on me. And so um, I wait, you know, and of course now people are sending me pictures of Bill on the red carpet of can, right? So he's, he's, I figured he was promoting. But anyway, he's on the red carpet of can. I'm tortured. I'm home Memorial Day weekend. It's three weeks later. And I've thrown my back out with all the stress. I'm lying in bed, like my back's thrown out. My family went away for, for, to get away for a couple of days. And um, I get a text. Ted is Bill. Can you meet me at... LAX airport. And I say, sure, Bill, when? He's like, two hours. I go, okay, two hours. Uh, I, I get out of bed. I pop a Vicodin. My back, my back is a mess. I have a cane. I drive to Los Angeles airport. Um, and he tells me what, what, uh, where the meaning of baggage claim. I go to baggage claim and, 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 and like I'm, I'm kind of limping around. I get the baggage claim. And, and there's a guy standing there in a frumpled, you know, chauffeur suit. And he goes, uh, he has a sign that says Bill. And I go, I, I, I think I'm with you. And he's like, yeah, he has, he has no idea he's picking up Bill Murray. Right. So there comes Bill walking down the causeway and he's got this huge what, golf club bag that looks like, looks like a stand-up base. And he had just come from the, from the um, Clint Eastwood golf tournament. He's like, Ted? I'm like, yeah. He's like, it's Bill. I go, yeah, I know, I know Bill. Um, and then we get in the car with the driver. We stop at um, In-N-Out Burger, and we get four grilled cheeses and then a couple burgers. And we drive for three hours south of L.A. I have no idea where we're going. And he pulls the script out of his little leather bag, and he starts reading me some notes he has. And we, we drive for three hours. We take we kind of like hit Mexico, like just, just north. We're just a little bit. Before Mexico, and we take a left, which is east, and we end up, I have no idea where, in the back nine of a golf course uh, in, like, Temecula somewhere. And we're, on one, we're at one of his houses, and um, we go inside. I, 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 uh, I go, Bill, I got to go to the bathroom. He's like, okay, yeah. He goes, you, you got to jiggle the handle. Don't forget to jiggle the handle. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we hang out for another minute. We walk outside, and he goes, so – Okay, so do you seem good? You seem good. He's like, but you, do, do you want to make this movie? I go, yeah. He goes, you, do you want to make this movie with me? I go, yeah, yes. yes I want right. to make the movie with you. He's like, great. Because he goes, okay. He goes, we'll make the movie. He goes, he gives the driver a couple hundred bucks and says, take the, take this kid back to Los Angeles. <laughs> and I go, Bill, Bill. I go, before I go, can you just can you just one thing? Can you just do one thing for me? And I'm like, he's like, yeah, what? He's like, can you tell someone other than me yeah. that happened? Right, right. <laughs> And he goes, yeah. I go, yeah, Bill. I, you know, because like it's been great, but like, can you like tell? He's like, who should I tell? Like, no, just tell someone. Like, can you tell your attorney? Can you tell someone that you said you're going to do this movie. He's like, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. And and that that was it. I, I drove back to, to L.A. with this with this chauffeur, and and then uh, a couple of weeks later, I get a call from his attorney, and I said, did Bill tell you anything? He's like, no, didn't tell me anything. <laughs> okay. 
Oh, my. That's how how it started. Well, so what's funny is I think I've had you share that story. This will be the third time. That was the best telling of that story. I think in the past, I don't know if I knew the details about the scripts being sent out so much. So God bless you for sharing that one. That was epic. I know people, if anyone was listening to that, Ted, and they're in their car, there's no way they got out of their car hearing that story about Bill Murray. Well, American Dreamer is the new film. It is playing at the St. Louis International Film Festival tomorrow night at the High Point Theater, 7 p.m. I'm so glad you reached out. Congratulations on this project, and uh, keep me posted on everything else, Ted. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I just love that story so much. And that was from about a month and a half, two months ago when that film was playing at the film festival. I'm guessing it will be able to be streamed very, very quickly into 2024. So I think this would have been probably a little better before Christmas, but it, it is reminiscent of random facts, if you will, on Sue's News. And I found this on CBS News today, and I wanted to share it. These are like the origins of some of the Christmas songs. Oh, I'm already loving uh, it. Right. And I, if I knew some of these, I had forgotten about them. Santa Claus is coming to town. That goes back to 1933. Hmm. These two guys, John Frederick Coots and Haven Gillespie, were on their way to a music publisher's office, and they were in a subway car, and they wrote that on the back of an envelope in 1933. <laughs> like you do. I mean, right. it, like, and, and that's what I love talking to songwriters because what's weird is about the hit songs in particular. You've been in music radio. You know this. They'll tell you a lot of the people who write hit songs will say it came Man. like in a, two minutes. I right? scribbled it, just it on the back of right. whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. This started off with Donald Gardner asking a group of second graders to complete the sentence, all I want for Christmas is. Nobody really said they wanted their uh, two front teeth, but he listened back to their wishes. This goes back, by the way, to 1948, and he heard their lisps, <laughs> and that's how he came up with it. He went home that night, he wrote that song in 30 minutes. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Hugh Martin, Ralph Blaine wrote the song for Meet Me in St. Louis, Judy Garland. Love Didn't it. like it. Oh. The actress said it was so sad it would make her co-star Margaret O'Brien cry and leave her looking like a monster. After some debate, the songwriters changed the song to the version that's in the movie. So I'm not exactly sure what what the uh, Have Yourself what a the Merry change Little Christmas. must have been a little depressing. Right. Do you hear what I hear? Oh, I like that song. A plea for peace. Maybe songwriters then married couple Noel Regney and Gloria Shane Baker wrote the song during the Cuban Missile Crisis in October of 1962. Dang. That song went on to sell more than a quarter million copies during Christmas season that year. Um, I'll Be Home for Christmas, Walter Kent, James Gannon, captured the mood of um, homesick Americans in 1943 because you had soldiers that were, you know, toward toward the end, I guess, of World War II, but still not. Well, we, we didn't get until 42, so I guess it was kind of in the middle of the campaign for U.S. soldiers. That was the most requested song at Christmas USO shows in Europe as well as the Pacific. I'll be home for Christmas. Huh. 12 Days of Christmas. This goes back to the 18th century. It was a memory game to ah. help young Catholics learn the tenets of their faith. And over the centuries, some of the uh, the song's gifts have hidden meanings like true love symbolizing God, the partridge in a pear tree as Jesus Christ. My daughter's sitting here with me today, and she's dying to use the no button. Do you want to just use it? Am I supposed to ask you a question? Do you have a favorite Christmas song, Alexa Reardon? No! Okay, there you go. Fred gave her that. Let It Snow. Thanks, Fred. Alexa, do you know how Let It Snow came about, the song? Uh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's because it was uh, Sammy Kahn, lyricist, Jules Stein, the composer. They wanted snow during a heat wave in July of 1945 uh-huh. in Hollywood. So there you go. Just That's a couple really of different interesting. Songs. Right. It's, it is interesting because... I think we've had some things along those lines, just even with your random facts during Sue's News. And it's some of the stories are, I guess that's what you kind of hope. 
for something yeah. to be not as planned and and more um, you know inspirational and something that just kind of hits you up the side of the head, and that's what happened with many of those songs. Think about those songs, though, and how difficult it is just to write a hit song that those types of Seriously. songs will, will go on and forever. How would you ever know? I know. You just wouldn't. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.